Space, the final frontier. This is the podcast of State of the Federation. Its ongoing mission. To explore strange new ships. To seek out new builds and new combinations. To boldly go where no fleet has gone before. to another State of the Federation. Okay, Tucker, I'm interrupting you there. I do not want a conversation about baseball. Absolutely not. So, I am going to ask the incredibly important conversation question that came up during uh, Joseph's birthday. Now, Joseph willed me all of his comics, <laughs> but I want to know if I want to accept his comics. So, Joseph... What comics were these? Uh, excuse me. I seem to remember him having a comic in which Spider-Man teams up with the Montreal Expos. Oh, baseball. Good. Suck it. <laughs> Good. Good segue because I do have that comic uh, somewhere and many other and many other. Well, you know what? This is this is what matters to me. First appearance of Venom. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a know, good one. That was ooh, that was that was my grade five selfs. That was a year's worth of paper roots to get that to get that little beauty. Yeah, that's got to be worth something, actually. Ah, uh, I'm, uh, I'd be surprised. Is Maybe it, a couple hundred bucks. Is it in good condition? Yes, and it's in a one of those hard plastic. I would let my I would let my newborn son read it. So okay, so next, so what else am I getting? Okay, well, hang on. Before we Ooh. get too far, uh, I should probably say with me are my co-hosts Robert and Joseph. Well, Joseph may not be with us much longer if these comics are worthwhile. So this is why we need a bet. <laughs> okay, no. Uh, the first thirty issues of Spawn, which you will not allow your son to read. Okay, the, the uh, well. True, but I may read them with uh, some peanut butter and chocolate on my hands as I flip the pages in, <laughs> in ecstasy. Well, uh, a lot of old, actually, I probably a lot of Spider-Man, and a lot of Image Baloney. Some Wild Class Number One. I think I have twenty copies of Wild Class Number right. One. So you were kind so of a nine. You were nineties sort of image. Uh, darker comic kind of guy. Hey, guys, that... remember how this is a podcast about Attack Wing? Yeah, but I figure well, I have our baseball segment to eat up in the comic question. <laughs> it's, yeah, no. okay. it's a variety show. <laughs> guys, we we have to talk about UK Nationals. Okay, so, Tucker, what are we talking about tonight besides comics? Today, we're talking about UK Nationals. Um, so, UK Nationals happened uh, last last week. Um, and there's there's been some very interesting developments coming out of it. Uh, we have here the winning build. We have a segment of a we, we, we have like a, a rough estimate of what the second place build was based on our watching the video and some things we heard. And we're gonna we're gonna cover uh, what went down there because some pretty pretty interesting uh, meta meta impacts coming out of uh uk nationals and heading into worlds yeah 
And just to set it up, I, I believe I would I had the privilege of watching the stream that was hosted by Warp Core Breach. I didn't get to watch all of the matches live, but I watched several of them and followed along with the conversation. So I have to say, overall, I was pleased with the turnout of 15 people and a wide variety of builds that I think uh, were ultimately incredibly competitive. Competitive or repetitive? Well, we do see repetitive as one card that finds its way into the finals, but... Cloaked Mines? Those two. Interface Generator? Uh, was Interface in both? I don't think Interface was in both. Uh, I guess it was... Yes, it was. Crew Wars. Crew Wars was some some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being I'm being a jerk. No, you, you you were you were but I, you are uh, you are pointing out some very good cards <laughs> that should almost go into every competitive build. So that the and to point out, you are actually correct, Tucker. Those are cards that people need to heavily consider when trying to build winning fleets for nationals and world. So to steal an earlier point you made, uh, you said 15 people, which I think is up from last year's UK National. It's certainly up from most of the regionals, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, mo modestly in one sense, but like in a percentage sense, it's, I mean, if, if they were, if they were having, you know, somewhere around eight, it's almost, it's almost doubling the size, right? Right. Yeah. And I, I think what we are consistently seeing is growth in the game. Yeah, it certainly feels that way on the Facebook group too, right? It's a lot livelier, and the members the membership uh, number keeps going up. Yeah, I'm arguing with a, I'm arguing with a completely different set of people these days. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> they're they're fr they're fresh, they're fresh. No, in all seriousness, though, you you see a lot of this. Is, this is actually encouraging me to me. So this is this is a thing. A lot of people probably think I find this annoying, and a lot of people probably find it annoying themselves, but I actually am encouraged by the number of, like, obvious new player questions I'm seeing. That's good for the game. If people are coming into the Facebook group and asking those kinds of questions, it means that new players are not just being drawn to the game, but to the community, which is ultimately good for the game. And the competitive scene. They're asking, and the competitive scene. Yeah, they're asking intelligent, complicated questions that casual players would not. That's true. Because if I was playing on my kitchen table, I'd settle it, and that would be that, right? Like, I'd just decide how it worked, and and that would be that, right? So hopefully we can continue to see this trend. Uh, but yeah. yeah, So that was an overview of the UK Nationals, but I think what we really want to do is sort of dive into what the winning fleets did. Okay, so let's let's here's here's what we have for the winning fleet. Uh, the winning fleet was bought by Brian Gillespie. And he flew the following list. A Riemann Warbird at 36 points. Gold Ducat off of the Coronac at 6 points, including Faction Penalty. Reverse Course at 5 points. Interface Generator at 3 points for a total of 50 points on that ship. The RIS Apnix at 14 points. Gold Madrid with Faction Penalty at 6 points. Admiral Mendak. Lee Nallis at 3 points with Faction Penalty. Romulan Security Officer at 2 points, and an Interphase Generator for 3 points, totaling 32 points on that ship, 82 on the fleet. The IK, the, pardon me, the IKS Matha at 28 points. Martok 8 from the Negvar at 5 points. Lur at 6 points with Faction Penalty. Quark at 
three points with faction penalty, and under him is a projected stasis field. Crew Wharf at two points. Cloaked Mines at four points with faction penalty. For a total of 48 on the ship and 130 in the fleet. No resource. No resource. And uh, just to unpack this, because even we overlooked this a little bit, the captain skills in here are pretty interesting because what the fleet ended up with is a 11-skilled Martok, a 10-skilled Madrid, and a 7-skilled Duke. I, I didn't overlook right. that. Well, two-thirds two -thirds of this group overlooked it. I didn't, I didn't overlook it so much as miscalculate the Madrid skill, but um, I saw that Martok was 11, and that's, that's obviously a good place for Martok to be. Um, the, there's a lot going on here. The interaction between Martok at 11 and Mendak on a lower skill captainship is very interesting. So um, uh, Madrid, why, don't, why don't we talk about what that looks like? Um, because it is interesting and I like what they do. And I think we should, because I think Martok isn't as used as much anymore as he used to be. And I really like seeing this resurgence of him here. And so for what, uh, Mar this Martok comes from... The Negvar, I believe. Yeah, I believe he yes, comes from the, the Negvar. Negvar. And this is the captain where he uh, gives a free action to a captain with a lower skill than his. So the ship with a captain skill of a lower captain skill can take a free action. And that used to be used almost predominantly in all of the Klingon fleets. But with the race up towards higher captain skills, he just hasn't been seen much anymore. And it's very interesting to see him resurgent, his resurgence with Worf. And then I believe, and you guys can correct me, he's using this to trigger either uh, trigger Goal Madrid on the app next. And so it can also do... Yeah, it gives him a couple of options. Uh, if, if the app next gets into range to Madrid, uh, he can do that. Um, if something else is moving at 10 and has, um, doesn't have initiative, so it's moving after, then he can trigger Madrid at, um, at, at captain skill 11 and just use, uh, Mendak for his regular action. Or, um, if everyone's moved, say, or, or in a number of different situations and he's just out of range three, he could sense Reco with the Apnex into range three and then, uh, use Martok to hit, uh, hit the Golman Dread. Or he could even use it on the Remen to allow Gold Ducat to cloak, to censor Echo, um, or anything else that he needs to do. So it does give him quite that, a bit of flexibility for his team. Well, look, if we want to talk about flexibility, like the, the, the main subject of discussion for this build has been reverse course. That's, that's what's really giving it a lot of flexibility that people are really honing in on. Uh, reverse course was also in the runner-up build. It was in a number of other builds, and it's not a card we've seen on the competitive scene. So I, I, I think we should take a second and just sort of discuss it. Uh, this reverse course is a five-point unique Romulan elite talent. Comes with Sailor's Warbird, and it basically says um, instead of your maneuver, whatever you picked, you can just ignore it, disregard. I think is the word. And just do a, a one or two reverse. And since no color's given, it's white. Um, I am going to skip a little bit around because I'm curious about this. Does it work on faked messages? That, that's a discussion. Like that, that, that's that's the the thing about faked messages. So here, here's the deal: you can't change the dial on on Ur. Is that is that 
lure, you can't change it though. Whatever the point is, you can't. It was. It has been ruled that you can't change the maneuver on your dial, but this disregards it. My feeling is it does. I think it does work. Let's see. So faked message says during the planning phase, after a ship's maneuver has been chosen, you may discard this card uh, to target one enemy ship, and that ship is uh, that is not within range one to three of your ship. Force that ship to change its chosen maneuver to a one straight. Yeah, so that is... No, it's, it's definitely not, because it can do it to Voyager. Okay, okay. Let me, let me pull up the exact wording of reverse course again, because I I don't think... I think uh, it doesn't necessarily say your the maneuver on your dial. I think it just says disregard your chosen maneuver. And it does. It does not say uh, maneuver on your dial. It says during the activation phase, you may disregard your chosen maneuver and execute a focus turn, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but who chose your maneuver time? Okay, English grammar nerd time. Your being possessive possessive means the chosen maneuver of yours, not the the maneuver you chose. Uh, It could your chosen maneuver. It could be (laughs) the maneuver you chose. It could be either. But the wording's ambiguous enough. Well, well, the, here's the thing. Remember, you in uh, attack wing means the, the ship. So this would say this: you, the ship may disregard the ship's chosen maneuver. And ships don't choose maneuvers; players do. We learned that in Drive. That is correct. And uh, it all this card also gets around energy dissipator, which is another card I like to like uh, use because that too refers to. <laughs> Uh, setting the maneuver to a one. I didn't care, but that's hilarious. It's good. It's good against fake messages and lure. And if you ever play Robert, for the people out there, yeah. <laughs> 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 my my, uh, I, 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 I now quit. There's there's reverse course. It's I'm done playing. <laughs> it's been a good night. Ever. That's too much, man. <laughs> Sorry, I've been wa- I've been watching BoJack Horseman lately. Don't watch that show unless you yeah. want to be brutally depressed. Oh, that mo- that show is fantastic. But we shall it's not di- we shall not digress. Back to the show on hand. So, um, I I am in the camp that it is a top tier card. I and I think we on this podcast disagree a little bit of its power. And I me I might be the most favorable of its. A power rating. Tucker Would that be correct? I, I like it. Don't get me wrong. So the way I look at it is th- there's an old, old, old expression from the uh, Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 edition character optimization boards uh, called Bind 2. Uh, B-I-J-N-T-U, but it's just not that uber. It's good. It's a good card. It's one of the few five-point talents in the game that actually deserves to cost five points, but it's not overpowered. It's not overcosted. It's useful. God knows it's nice for cloaked mines. It's nice to avoid cloaked mines, and it's nice when you lay cloaked mines. Like, you know how we said in, in, in a previous episode, like, the thing to do after Cloak Mines is not doing a four forward? The thing to do after laying Cloak Mines is to do a reverse. So, it's good for that. And it's good... The other thing that's good for, and I'm going to be blunt here, is it's good if you screw up. It's good if you pick absolutely the, the wrong maneuver and a one or two reverse is less wrong. But my... The best defense against that is don't suck I'm sorry. Get, 
get good. Get good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let, let's keep it positive. It's not don't suck. It's get good. Um, <laughs> and it's and it's a yeah. it's a it's a training. I think what you're saying is it's a training wheel. So when you're learning strategy, it's a way for you to correct when you in, incorrectly interpret strategy. And so what? Why? What's your take on it, Robert? Yeah. So the reason I think it is a step above what Tucker's talking about is because it really breaks one of the tenements of this game. And this game, one of the core aspects of this game is it's a deck building game, which is why I like it better than uh, X-Wing is because I love the deck building component. I think the card interaction is what makes this game work. But the second part is that it is a ship maneuvering game based off of Wings of War. And so... It is a guessing game. It is a strategy building game of how to move my ships, where to move them, and controlling the board. And this card really breaks that mechanic because it allows me each turn to disregard whatever maneuver I selected and do virtually the opposite. In addition to that, except for the board, which Tucker loves, no other ship freely can move backwards. And when they were designing the game, they specifically excluded the full stop maneuver because what they discovered is that players would fly at each other, stop, and shoot. And this card almost reintroduces that component because what I can do is I can fly to my opponent and I can essentially stop at no penalty by just doing a one reverse. And I can do that after seeing what other ships have done on the board. So that's where I see the value, or that's where I see its game-breaking mechanic is that it really um, undermines some of the core concepts of what the game tried to establish. Now, that being said, I still don't think it's a game-breaking card or needs to be around. So, Joseph, what Yeah, what do, you, what do you think about this? I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts about this. So just to address Robert uh, quickly... Um, before I get into my thoughts, um, moving backward two is different than staying uh, in place, and and does have um, uh, a maneuvering component. Now you you watch the games, um, Robert, or or you're able to watch most of them. So there might be an answer to this, but what I'm curious is if he backs up this. Reman Warbird 2. So, Joseph, I'm going to interrupt you briefly. You get to actually elect either whether to back up one or back up. Right. Okay. So, if he, if. So, and, and so I agree. If it was just back up two, yes, that takes people out of combat. But backing up one is, is where I think this gains a lot of its power. So, if he backs up the Reman Warbird even one, the Atnex and the Mata have to go at minimum forward one, right? So I can slice that like if if your opponent has and he's choosing to do that at in this case captain c7 right and and I guess let me get out there immediately I like this fleet and I think this is an excellent fleet and I understand why it won the tournament um so if he backs up one and his other two ships go forward one that's plant that's that's a maneuvering game Dropping your ships in so they can hit those ships but not get hit by the Reman, that's good flying, but it's not it's not anywhere near impossible flying, especially if you have something like Forest or Romulan Pilot or something 
to let you. Yeah, is, let me just let me just jump in here and say, um, the if you have all of your ships in a straight line, and one of your ships does a one reverse, and the other two ships do a one forward, the forwardmost edge of the ships that move forward are going to be are going to hit the exact distance of range of, of a four forward from the ship that moved backward. That's an entire range increment. Just to give you some, because remember you have that spacing of the base in the middle. So really, the 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 rear of the forwardmost ships to the front of the rearmost ship is a distance of three forward. Right, and I don't. I would imagine, and I watched. Uh, Brian did not fly his ships in a straight line for most of the matches. It wasn't what is designed to do, and I think nobody running reverse course would operate in that fashion. But Joseph, you do bring up a good point, uh, point is, and why I agree that it is not so game-breaking is because it's only one ship that gets this card. And what, uh, because it, it is a unique, <clears throat> just to point that out, it's the only one ship can have it. Um, and what David did to get to his fleet a little bit is he used Baytor. And Baytor allows, and I get this backwards, so Tucker will have to correct me if I'm wrong, but the talent that Baytor has can be used by any ship in her fleet. Uh, within range, I want to say two. Within, top of my yeah, head. within range two. So, having so answering Joseph's questions of why I think this works is because what it does is it's it's on a very powerful ship that's the Reman Warbird, and my opponent now has to decide: is my Reman Warbird doing a four K turn to be behind me and shoot at me, or is the Reman Warbird going to do a one reverse to keep uh, to stay? to keep my ship in its forward firing arc. And then the player wouldn't even, the person who's flying the Riemann doesn't even have to make that decision until they see what my ship does. So they can get a free attack with the Riemann without having any potential counterattack. That's right. Uh, so that the other two points um, that I would make about it are, one, I do think it's extremely powerful uh, with Cloaked Minds and plays a part in that, but <laughs> it's make no mistake it's the cloaked minds that are doing the heavy lifting right like th there are many things that go together with cloaked minds that are amazing right um and then uh the other point is where i think it's at at its most powerful is if you can keep it on the ship uh that is your last surviving ship against your opponent's uh, last surviving ship if that's how it works works out because if you're going in two different directions, potentially back or forward, and you have a higher uh, captain skill, they they have a 50-50 chance to get you an arc usually, right? Now they have a 0% right. chance. Because if they go right, you back up. If they go left, you go forward, right? And they and they just will never get you an arc. Right. Uh, yeah. And and you may never shoot necessarily, but you can basically ensure that your opponent never shoots you. You'll, you will eventually get a shot right uh mm. so i think that's i think i think that's when it's at its best um and i think that in that situation in certain matchups then the other ship doesn't have a, a chance but there are many 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 cards in the game like that right and and also it's worth mentioning um one card that will help you there and one card that does well against reverse course so so what one of the arguments by the way uh that people were making about reverse course is uh, they they were bringing in magic 
uh, and they say that one of the reasons that cards get banned in Magic is when people start to play hate specifically for those cards to the point where it's oppressive. And the answer is two of the best counters in the game to reverse course are hate that counters that people are already playing, which are number one, second of five, because it's a ganker that you should be running anyway, which I don't think really requires that much discussion. But the other one is Warp Jump. Warp Jump does great against this card. You know what other card does great against it? Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, another card Another card is Deanna Troy, because if the captain is disabled, they can't activate the talent until after they've re-enabled their captain, so after the maneuver. So even if you're able to disable the captain, you count to reverse. Yeah. That's true. So just, I guess, to clarify the that one point, if your captain is disabled or discarded, uh, the elite talent that was assigned to him um, cannot be used. Now, I th- I'm pretty sure in Brian's case, he assigned it... No, he must have. Yeah, he did assign it to a captain. So, I thought I read that one... Maybe Dave, maybe David assigned it? Anyway... David, David had, yeah, David had Admiral Galron and right. assigned it to Admiral Galron. So, so, then even if the mm. captain does get um hit uh then that that talent would still be usable it and, and uh, what's interesting actually, actually is and again i think this is I, I i mean this is a good card that i that i will use frequently uh i i i actually think that it gives a little bit of a bump um to old to old gold madrid because part of the reason that he was so ineffectual is that the, your elite talents were obviously fake messages and, and lure and you were using those before he got into range. So he, he, that it was, he couldn't get that as well. Right now, if Golmadred kills Ducat, here's he's, he's knocking out 11 points worth of, of, of stuff. Right. Well, here's another interesting thing actually about, um, so the complete ship we have of David's that I really want to talk about is it's the Madha at 28, Lursa for 3 as a captain, Reverse Course for 6 with Faction Penalty, Admiral Gowron for 3, Bator and a Crew Slot for 3, Crew War for 2, Interface Generator with 4 with Faction Penalty for total 49. This is interesting, number one, because of the Bator uh, Reverse Course interaction that Robert was talking about. But here's the other thing. This ship has 3 Elite Talent Slots. There are three different cards, and they're all different types of cards. Captain, Admiral, Crew, that give an elite talent slot. You're not going to be able to madred your way out of this one. Who can trigger the talent, though? Isn't it only the type of uh, slot that is being occupied? So, like, if I assign the if I assign the elite talent to the Admiral, only an Admiral can trigger it, correct? Correct. Oh, Robert, only- Robert, listen. Robert, you're asking questions about elite talent slot rules. Why would you do that? <laughs> because this is this is the high end uh, analytical competitive. The the answer is this is one of the spots where the rules visibly and totally. Okay, well let's start. With, well, hang on. The, Before you get there, let's start with what we know. If I have a ship with a captain and an elite talent, if I change captains like through Quark's treasure ship, that new captain, so long as it had an elite talent slot, can activate the talent that was on that ship. Is that correct? Yes. 
Yeah, that's that's I, okay. that's correct. So then the next question. Oh, go ahead, Joe. So I know to trade elite talents a lot. To to trade elite talents, both captains need to have an elite talent occupying the slot, right? Because slots disappear after fleet building. Right. That's a good point. So if you don't have a if you don't have the elite talent slot on the ship, because you don't have a captain with an elite talent or the slot filled, then there won't be a slot there to. Okay. Listen. Here's I'm just gonna stop this. Here's the problem. Okay. Attack wing tournament rules. Ready. Rule number six. Rule number sixteen. Elite talents are assigned to a ship, not the captain, even though the t- icon for the elite talent is provided by the captain. Number seventeen. You should designate which elite talent is deployed to your captain and or admiral slash crew. They're literally right next to each other and mutually contradictory. Wait, what? Well, they're not they're, so they're not mutually contradictory, but it because it means that the talent is if you visualize your ship, then there's a little talent slot that appears on the ship magically. And then if there's an admiral and a captain with both talents, then there's two little talents that magically appear. And then now you're like, okay, and the talent is assigned to either the captain one or the admiral one. So I don't think they're mutually exclude. I don't think they mutually exclude each other. But um, I think the confusion is who can trigger which elite. Would that be correct? Uh, I I mean I mean here's well an additional like an additional thing is here they have and slash or admiral slash crew, which would imply that admirals and crew can trade them back and forth, but not between cat like there's a million ways to interpret this well as a to i have to i would have to make this ruling and i am i am challenged to make the ruling because i feel if i disable a captain and the captain was assigned a talent but they have an admiral all things being equal i feel that the talent should be inaccessible because it's the yeah, captain's that, talent that's for certain so then if the captain has a talent or if the admiral has a talent and I Madrid the captain, thematically, I feel the talent is a person's intrinsic skill, their intrinsic abilities. So the admiral would carry that talent with them if they became a There is, there is, well, okay, so listen to this, okay? Um... If you have both a captain and an admiral, this is a wharf ruling. If you have both a captain and an admiral assigned to a ship, and they both have an elite talent slot with a talent assigned to them, and your captain is discarded, how does this affect? Oh, that's the wrong effect. But whatever. How does this affect the elite talents? Your elite talents are assigned to the ship, but the talent is provided by the captain or admiral. In this case, you should have designated which elite talent is on the admiral, and only that talent may be used if the captain is discarded or unable to use his talent. If you have not designated which elite talent is assigned to the admiral, flip a coin to choose which talent is available to the admiral. So I guess that is leaning towards sort of this intrinsic ability concept. You're instructed to assign your elite talent to the card that provided the slot, right? And then you can only use that talent. You can only use the talent assigned to... By the character? By the... By the, by the slot, but the slot and the character are the, – the character is providing the slot, right? Well, but the, so my point uh, with the admiral and captain, if the captain is discarded, then the admiral becomes the captain. So which talents can he – But his, his – yeah, his talents. Are you sure? Because he's now the you captain. You should only so use the, the admirals. Captain. 
Okay, this is going to work better if I assign names to things, okay? You have Martok and Gowron on a ship, okay? Martok has a talent. Mar- Martok has Incha, and Gowron has Defense Condition 1. Those are just the first things that spring to mind. So Okay, so now I know Martok to be a captain, and I know Gowron to be a captain. So are we running Fleet Commander in this situation? Gowron is an admiral. There's an admiral Gowron. I said that. I specifically said that. Okay, whatever. The point is, so Martok gets discarded. He says there's four lights or whatever. Okay, so now you can't use Insha and you can only use Defense Condition 1 because that was the card assigned to Gowron. There's no captain. I think that's the way what, okay. what I'm... So, I'm, I'm navigating murky waters here, but it, but it looks like cards are assigned to individual, for lack of a better term, people, and they carry those with them unless you switch them out with shuttlecraft because the world is hollow and I've touched the sky. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so here's my here's my follow up question. I have Garrick on my ship with um, Ice Abathy as a crew. Mm-hmm. Second, somebody second of fives by Garrick. Can't use I stab at thee. Right. I assimilate. I use assimilation tubules to steal their um, Riker crew Riker that has a talent slot. So now I have a crew that has a talent slot no, on it. Because, because card type doesn't matter. It's the card itself that matters. So so what? What's an interesting question in a way though is, what if you assimilation tubule uh, another Garrick? I think well, if Elim Garrick is ever disabled or discarded, but he's not disabled or discarded, he's stolen. Okay, well, if, if he's ever disabled or discarded with second of five, you can't use his elite talent upgrade. It says that on the card. But Unless you if get he's him. stolen, what? Yeah, no, you're 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 going exactly where I thought you were. Going. Yeah, because if you if you steal him, okay, if you steal him and then you steal him back, that clearly means you can use it again, right? Yeah, right. If he's stolen and then you steal him back, yes. Because it's physically the same card. Even though upgrade slots don't exist after the game starts. Um, well, honestly, as a TO at this point, I'm laughing and just letting it go because this is it, never going to happen. Definite, it's <laughs> definitely fine. It, 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 the, the, the slots disappearing... The slots don't disappear because there's a card occupying it. When Ilum Garrick goes, the elite talent isn't discarded. Right? It's still there. When, when he's, he's stolen. stolen. Yeah, when he's stolen. When he's stolen. It's still there occupying the slot. Okay. What if... No, no, no. Hang on. What if... Okay. What if I have Ilum Garrick with a talent and Odo on the same ship? <laughs> and then I transport yeah. <laughs> <Ilum Garrick. laughs> okay, you, we win, gotta, we, we, you win, Tucker. You win. We, we, we got to stop this rabbit hole before it turns into a really bad episode of Battle Station. Um, <laughs> that may still happen. <laughs> There's no. still time for <laughs> No. So going back to the main topic here, um, it increases Madrid's value because what you should do is wait until you're ahead on points and then Madrid a talent and then wait until he tries to activate it and then the game will end uh, before any more points are scored because of the ensuing <laughs> arguments. Because <laughs> people argue about um, I, I honestly think the big takeaway from this is if you have an important talent, it doesn't have to re- be reverse course, just any talent you're trying to protect, put it on an ad. 
that's that is the takeaway. And at least for this subject, um, neither of you have convinced me to lessen my opinion of reverse reverse course. Um, I think Joseph, you actually heightened my opinion uh, with the idea. That- look, look. Here's 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 no no no. Here's what I want to emphasize very strongly. On the most recent round, I added it to the Staw 300. There is no question that it is a tournament playable card and one of the better elite talents in the game. That is not in question. What's in question is, is it an auto-include in every single build? I don't think it is. No, five points is too much. You have to, you're building, you're building around it or you're, you're making a pretty large sacrifice. you, You know, what it's actually doing is, um, giving you an action for what? Two points because this exact effect is in the game with uh power grid and any ship that has a red backup right it, it reverse course is different only in that um it doesn't well, the, it doesn't use an action it, and i guess you could no, go it, also, it also goes to the fact that you can change your maneuver which is the which is the component that i was mentioning alters the essence of the game it does, but it's also worth mentioning. I mean, a, a strong argument for what Joseph is saying is um, many of the ships with red backups are already some of the best ships in the game. The Hathaway, the Stargazer, uh, the Tiny Prize, uh, the Defiant NCC 1764. Um, what else? Yeah. I, I, and, and anything... The Equinox. Anything that gives you extra movement also breaks that... Like you get to choose where you end up or where you're facing when you activate. Right. Um, I think the difference between a forest in this situation and the warbird is, uh, or with reverse course, is that there is a plane on which my ship sits. With forest, I must pass that plane. I know I have to go beyond that plane at all to make forest work. But with and I have to commit to my first movement, which might cause a bump. With reverse course, I can disregard that and move backwards, yeah. which I really think which is, is the go on. go on. Yeah, which is the fundamental power. Um, I also want to soapbox. I've been soapboxing a lot on this episode, <laughs> but um, one thing I think also really caused a big stir about this is something that's called the Black Swan event. And the concept of the black swan event is that in Europe, they only believe that there were white swans. And the first time that they see a black swan in Australia, it completely deconstructs reality and breaks (laughs) a a fundamental concept that people had. And those black swan incidences are so dramatic because it really upsets what people considered as as a standard course. And here, what we saw was a card that no one really understood or comprehended. And so it had a huge black swan effect on the UK nationals because people were not prepared for it. Right. I want to I I make a jump in and just offer a fairly minor but fairly important distinction. Uh, the, the, not all of the opponents understood it. Brian very clearly understood its power very well. So did his opponent in the finals. And the fact that they were able to see that that was a lack in the meta with an opening is a credit to both of them as 
players and as an analyzers yeah, of the metagame. Right. I'm sorry. Just no, to throw and, that out there. and another yeah, another big black swan incident was the Great Recession of two thousand and seven because people couldn't foresee the economic crash, but some people did, and so we get movies like The Black Short or The Big Short. So people can foresee the black swans, but it's when a mass doesn't see it. And even we admit two thirds of our, our own podcast didn't see reverse courses effect on this game. And so I think that, I think that's what really had a great impact, which was fascinating to watch was the explosion and reaction to this card because people were just not prepared for it to be in. Yeah. We, uh, we at state of the Federation really had to reverse course on our opinion there. Hey, <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> so, so sorry, not sorry, not sorry, not sorry. Uh, yeah, no, it it's it's a good All card, right, so, and I think the only reason it hasn't seen a lot of competitive play is because this is really the first competitive event since it's been. I mean, the grand prize is Klingon Civil War three, right? So, right, it's it's, it's a really new. There is, there is one. One thing I want to I want to ask you guys about this is pure speculation on our on, on, on my part. Um, I've been looking at the Star three hundred a little bit, and there here's the thing. Okay, wait. What is the Star three hundred? Just just for disclosure. Have I not talked about it on the show? I put together a list of the. You have, but you've never shorthanded it. Oh, at Star Trek Attack Wing three hundred. The three hundred playable cards in Star Trek Attack Wing right now. Um, designed by. Designed by. What the list? I did it. Yes. Okay. So it is. It is your opinion. Just yes. for disclosure, it's, it's yes. your opinion yes. of the top three hundred cards. Right. And and the and the metric used was: Would I be surprised to see this this card in a top four to regionals or top eight internationals? Um, and uh, the 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 reason I, I bring it up is this: um, Looking at the list, there are not a lot of cards. You know, there's there's Admiral Q. He's all right. He's good, but he's not necessary. You know, think fast. Good, but not necessary. Uh, what else is there? Uh, Borg Data. We've been trying to make that work for a while. Valeris is very good, but we lived without her. USS Enterprise A. You know. It, oh, it's no. I want to say I watched David using the Enterprise A kill a Hathaway. Yeah. Oh. And... I want to point out that a U.S. Enterprise A was in the finals, and there was no Hathaway to be. Oh my God! Will you come off it? That's a thing they I say. I don't have in the to. UK. I think it's. I, I have definitive proof now that the United <laughs> that the Enterprise A makes it into the finals, where the Hathaway is clearly not baked out to make it there. Given that we are what one week and one month from Worlds and National U.S. Nationals. Uh, I uh, 100% agree with Robert. I have really been uh, looking at the Hathaway <laughs> Someone recently, and I don't like it. Uh, it's it's <laughs> been outpaced. No one should run it. In fact, just mail your Hathaway with yeah. Warp Jump and, and, and whatever cards, whatever cards it may have happened to come with. I'm not even sure. It was a weak pack, I believe. And uh, and yeah, oh, long live the Enterprise. Act. Okay, but here's here's my serious point because there's a serious point coming up here. Um, reverse course is the first card of its power level 
to come from a grand prize pack. We've had powerful cards come from OP prizes. I mean, all the way back in the game's history, back to Barrage of Fire. But there has never been a card this good in a grand prize pack before. The closest contender was Mirror Riker, and even he was just basically bad Picard 9. Yeah, okay, so let's let's start. Uh, I always use this phrase, but let's unpack that for a second. What are all of the grand? Uh, Deep Space Nine. Okay, without cards, so it was just the right. Uh, well, no, it had it had it had a unique ship card. It had two unique ship cards. Uh, the generic independent Deep Space Nine can only be gotten from the prize, and the Deep Space Nine that doesn't disable torpedoes can only be gotten from the prize. Right. So it's that. Um, then there was uh, uh, assimilation target prime. There was Tactical Cube 001. Uh, there was the card pack from the Temporal Cold War. There was the card pack from Q Continuum. And there was Sela's Warburb. And I believe that is all of them. Okay. So we don't have a wide collect of uh, cards dimensions, but okay. Oh, and there's, I'm sorry, and, and, and the Enterprise A, obviously. Ooh, I don't know then. I don't know. There's some yeah. good cards in, on the Enterprise A. And there's some good cards. There's some good cards on the Enterprise A, but nothing they do cannot be replicated with other cards. Valeris is the Enterprise thing. A. Yeah, Valeris. Valeris is the closest thing, but even she hasn't made a huge impact thus far. She's a traitor. She's a traitor anyway. She's a traitor to the Federation. Yeah, bring it. So bringing us back to the conversation, <laughs> Tucker, I want to answer a question I think you were leading up to, and if it wasn't, it was a question that came to my mind. So I will, uh, I will put it into your words and then answer the question that I made up. But it's um, um, would <laughs> would I see yeah, would I see reverse course um, in the top eight in nationals? And my answer to that question is, I think I would see it in the top 50% of nationals this year, but I do not think I would see it in the top four. Of top four of worlds, maybe not, but that's only because that's going to be a smaller field by necessity. I could see it in top eight. Of, I could see it in top four of nationals easily. The question I'm going to ask is, do we, it, should we be worried about power cards and grand prize packs? I, well, I think we should. I think we should be concerned that WizKids is releasing powerful cards and prize packs. I, I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, well, only if they never get reprinted. Like the hood is getting hard to get. Well, um, but let's put it this way: is, is it easier to get Sellers Warbird today or the Stargazer? So right now on eBay, you can actually th there are more Stargazers on eBay than Sellers Warbirds, um, but they're not cheap. So whether or not well, it's no the Stargaz the Stargazers are cheaper than Sailor's Warbirds. Wait, what? Seriously? Yeah, that's what I was that's what I was joking about. That's that was the point. Um, I think that sort of breaks the question that well, Joseph me, presented. Well, let me quickly rephrase it uh, with with some research. Is it easier to get Sailor's Warbird right now or the Creighton? The Raven. Oh, Sailor's Warbird easily or the Raven. Either of them. Yeah, and the Creighton's like a hundred bucks on eBay. Oh no, Creighton, here we go. Thirty nine ninety five. Buy it now. Free shipping. The other two are a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but, but do but, I still need that ship? But hang on. I but like hang buying this. Hang on. The the Raven is a valid point because the like there are no Ravens on eBay. And okay, so I I wanted a Raven. Uh, as some of you may may remember, I sold my fleet, rebought my fleet, and one of the ships that was missing from it was a Raven. 
And that was probably the single hardest ship to replace. Well, there you go. Yeah, and and that, I mean, just really quickly, like we're coming up on the end of the show here, but guys, if you need a Raven for Worlds or Nationals, buy one now. Don't don't wait to the last minute. There are, there are a bunch of ships you're not going to be able to get. What what else are you not going to be able to get? Right. So I think I think cards that we collectively talk about and that you hear on battle stations regularly. The first one that comes to mind is Sakona. Sakona, yeah. Now, everybody needs Sakona. Sakona, like Wharf, any card that is cost neutral and gives you a slot is of immense. Or actually, both of them are cost neutral or cost negative mm-hmm. and give an additional slot. So you need Sakona. Tucker, what ship does Sakona come from? Le Gavroche. I mean, to give you some idea of the age of it, Terry. Terry previewed oh, wow. the Gavroche. Yeah. Wow, that's that brings us back. Right, there are there are some on eBay. Oh God, I remember, I remember the the Gavroche preview era. Man, that was because she was doing this thing where Terry was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, no, she was she was great, and she was she was um, how do I want to say? She was a lot of fun. Terry was a lot of fun. Um, and she would do a thing where like if you she got so many likes or something, she'd do an extra one. And like the whole community was going nuts for it. That was a that was a fun time. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Okay, Sakona. That's important to get. Um, what are other cards that we talk about regularly that are harder to get right now? Anything on the USS Hood, Hood Riker, uh, Type Eight Phaser Arrays, especially if you need multiples. Systems upgrade. A system upgrade. Yeah. Both, both system upgrades and Type 8 phasers are non-unique, mm-hmm. and you can run them on two fed ships, and it's just, it is a thing. Q-Continuum 1 was a while ago now. Yeah, and those are, the, because also for repurchasing uh, purposes, the ships that have non-unique cards are just inherently harder to find because people want multiple copies of them. Like... The Praetis. I mean, you you can find Praetis is decently easy, but look now. Yeah. Um, and because everyone is going to mail their Hathaways to Joseph, because they don't need them anymore, those two might have scarcity issues. And we have talked about Warp Jump quite a bit in all of our shows. So that's a, a non-unique tech that people should heavily consider running at least multiples of uh, for one on each of their ships. Mine are not for sale or lend. Um, then, Joseph, uh, what is something that people generally forget about that they need for Worlds? Oh, uh, that's right. We talked about this, which is uh, the scenario is objective tokens. Uh, you need to bring six uh, objective tokens, and they come with your starter set. So track those down and make sure you have them. Uh, I realized last night or a couple days ago that I do not have mine, so I have to go and the six, get a starter set. Right, the six that you need, you need three space stations, an asteroid field, an abandoned ship, and destroyed ship. And it's also worth mentioning, you can actually get these on eBay uh, separately from the starter set. Um, there, there are people who what oh, they do is really? they they they. Yeah, this is this was more common before there was a retail Vorcha, but it used to be that you could buy sort of like uh, individual like dice templates, right. damage right. decks, those and, types of things. Well, well, also, also what you could do was was you could and, and this is I guess you could still do this if you wanted uh, if you didn't want to buy retail Vorcha. I don't know why because it comes with Klingon cloak mines, but 
Um, you, you could buy individual sort of ship packs. Like you could buy like all the Klingon cards and the ship and the dial and the base template and the stand. And that's how I got that's how I got my uh, second and third uh, Vorcha was I, I bought them off eBay from a guy who was basically just selling the IKS Maha quote unquote pack. You know, what a time to be alive. Well, that must have been. Do they not have those anymore? I'm gonna be kind of like they—they gonna... they do on eBay. I see. I, I I frequent eBay just out of curiosity, and I do see damage decks or single cards often offered. Single cards? I never seen single. I've never seen single cards. But yeah, it'll have. I've seen a single shroud. I almost bought it. How much was it? I have five bucks or something. Five bucks for a shroud? I don't say these are good deals. I'm just saying the deals exist. <laughs> well. It saves right. space. Okay, that's 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 enough. I that's it. I'm I'm shutting it down. I'm shut. That's enough. Um, five dollars for a, a shroud and Tucker. Tucker forces us to stop. That's it. I'm done for the so. night. Anyway, um, thank thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the show, give us a good review on iTunes. Uh, we we it, we're getting up towards worlds, so we're gonna be ramping up our. Uh, strategic advice uh in regards to worlds and just in life any uh any last thoughts guys uh i just wanted to be well known that if anything happens to joseph over the next couple months i get his comic collection it is known well it's in writing and uh and and i actually get joseph's entire star trek attackling collection except for scout 608 and you have to and the raven but what comes with that is you have to drive peter to world so be that as it may I don't know if it's a fair fair deal. But I am the tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, take a nap and then fire the missiles. Uh, <laughs> also, um, while it is sad, I think that uh, you would be remiss not to note the dark triumph uh, that appears at times in BoJack Horseman. Um, and it's worth a watch for that as well. I don't know, dude. Um, and the self-revelations, right? It's about personal growth. Wow. Every every series is every one ends with his personal growth. Uh not season three. Yeah, he yeah, he I will we can Okay, take it before off the we air. seriously spoil anyone, I'm shutting it down. Have a good night, folks. Dials down and make you be generous with your dice. State of the Federation is a non-profit fan-based production of Tucker Kobe, Joseph Vanderyat, and Robert Fletcher. Star Trek, Star Trek Attack Wing, and all other copyrights are owned by their respective copyright holders. State of the Federation original concept created by William Sanchez. <laughs>